Hey everyone, this is Peter Van Tine at First Love Ministries. Welcome to this week's edition of the First Love Podcast. This month we bring you a series that Mark recorded a while ago called When Under Great Pressure. We hope these messages will be helpful to you and bring you encouragement into the new year. So let's get right to the message. Here's Mark. As I mentioned to you, the, the title of this series is When Under Great Pressure. When Under Great Pressure. Surely right now, for many of us, we've always experienced some measure of pressure, but right now, the pressure is very great. This is a season especially of extraordinary pressure, and so as I was praying about what to talk about, I started thinking about this, and then what happened was even two weeks ago in our Monday night home group, one of the gals in my group, she was really quiet for a little bit, and then finally somebody said, come on, man, you need to talk, you need to talk. And she goes, well, I've had it. I've just had it. It's like, I'm done, I'm smoked, I'm finished. Like, why won't God just throw me a bone? Just give me something. I'm angry, I'm tired, I've had it. And we all just sat there and went, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> and you just kind of sit there and go, well, given where they are in their lives right now, it was totally, totally, totally understandable. And the truth is, is that even me standing here today, teaching this message over today in the next two weeks, is that there's a degree to which that I'm going to be teaching as the teacher more than the one who's the experiencer. I hope that there's someday that there would be somebody who'd be able to stand here just like the Apostle Paul, who could be able to say that everything that Mark said, and that which is really what Paul said, it's really true. And I'm a living example of that. Because that's who you need to hear from. There are many of you in this church, especially in this last year, as I've been overseeing prayer and we pray all the time, there are many, many of you that I know that suffer chronically. You suffer chronically financially. You suffer chronically physically. You suffer chronically emotionally. And it gets very, very hard. And at some point, you're the ones that we'd love to hear from, truthfully. And as well, I would even encourage you that as you're listening, even in the cafe, online, if you're one of those people who are doing that, I would love your feedback to tell me either how it's not working and what we can do to help or that it has been working or you weren't doing it before and now you are and now you're seeing that it's really true. So my goal this morning is to try to get us started here and most of it's going to be listening to the Apostle Paul. But we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to begin. Whatever pressure you're experiencing currently, have experienced, my belief is, is that I don't know if there's any human being, at least that we know about that's written, that has experienced the kind of suffering that Paul did. In verse 8, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. We were under great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. 
Again, what I appreciate about the life of the Apostle Paul is that this is the same guy who in Acts chapter 19, it says that God was doing such extraordinary things through him that even aprons and napkins that he touched, people would take them and lay them on people and they would get well. And yet here is Paul saying, it was hard, folks. And we're talking really hard. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. And truthfully, this is really what's at stake, isn't it? Is that many times when we're under pressure, our, our, our most natural inclination is to first try to go to our own self-reliance. You try to do it in your own strength. You try to solve it. Sometimes even trying to do self-reliance is just by escaping, by coping. But Paul said this was so bad that there was no self-reliance. There was no ability of our own that we could possibly have gotten through this. What were some of those pressures? Well, before I look at that, let's even look at another way that he described the great pressure he was under. Go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Again, imagine that hard-pressed on every side. Perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Strong words. Turn to chapter 6. Actually, it's just across the page. Chapter 6, verse 4, he says, Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Turn over to chapter 11, beginning with verse 23, he says, Are they servants of Christ? I must be out of my mind to talk like this. And he says that because... Because he's getting persecuted by the church. Because he's got, um, he's got hardships. It's like if you've got the power of God, then why are you suffering? Why are you going through things? So in his defense, he says, I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. Been flogged more severely. Been exposed to death again and again. Think of the passion of Christ when you hear this one. Five times, not once, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen. <gasps> In danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. That's a lot of danger. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who wants to sign up to tour with Paul? <laughs> oh goody <laughs> I bet you had a little trouble on his, if he wanted to do a fourth missionary journey you know finding recruits I hope you can see that here's a guy who understands pressure 
He understands hardship. He understands suffering. How did he get through it? How did he get through it? He said he didn't rely on himself. He learned to rely on God. Before I go to that though, actually, I wanted to back up just for a minute and remind us all of something. If you'll notice here, and there's one more list that's in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 4. If you were to read any of these lists, you'd discover though that there's no time when Paul gets mad at God. You know, see, one of the saddest things that happens sometimes is that people will either think one of two or both wrong things when these pressures come. One of them is that sometimes, and I, and I think it, depending, it's, it depends on your upbringing, but one of these things is that we often tend to go to this place where we think there must be something really wrong with me. I must be really bad that God is doing this to me, that God is punishing me, that God's making me go through this. Well, I can tell you there's not a single text in the New Testament that says anything close to that. The other error is that sometimes people think, if it's not about my failure, then God's failing. God, what about those texts? What about the ones that said no harm would befall us in the Psalms? I mean, I can only imagine the Apostle Paul, where he sits, remember, he's shipwrecked and floating around in the water. If he was like you or me, I could just see him out there floating on a, on a piece of wood, and he'd be going, geez, did I have enough quiet time? Oh, did I give enough? Did I attend church often enough? Oh, God, am I so bad that you're doing this to me? Or he's like, God, what's with this? I'm going all over the place serving you, and look what you're letting happen to me. What's with you? Where, why aren't you saving me and protecting me? I think I'd be one of those people. <laughs> Bobbing around. <laughs> oh, this is fun. I thought I was on a way to go win people to Christ. Or imagine him just being huddled in a prison, having been flogged, cold and naked, hungry. Oh, this is fun. See, the main thing that we have to understand is not about us being punished. Or about God failing. The source of the pressure is from the enemy. He is the source of the pressure. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to begin in chapter 2, verse 17. He says, But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person but not in thought. Isn't that a great little parenthesis? We may not be there in person, but we're definitely there in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but who stopped him? Satan stopped us. You'll find a similar kind of passages in the book of Acts as well. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For here in the same church, unlike for you and I, when people came to Christ, it usually meant great suffering. There are still those, if they leave Islam, if they leave the Jewish faith, some of them do that at the peril of their own lives. That they have permission to kill them 
And so now, here these folks have come to Christ and they're undergoing severe trial. He says, you know why quite well you were destined for them. Has anybody got that on their refrigerator? You, I am destined for trials. Yes. You know quite well that we were destined for them. Verse 4, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. But now listen. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. And that word that gets translated tempter there is often, if not equally, depending on context, translated tester. Both the word, that when you see the word test or you see the word tempt, it's the same Greek word, it just depends on the context. And in this case, I think it probably would have been a little better to say that the tester had tested you. It wasn't God, it was Satan. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, As for you, when you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. See, what does this text tell us about the origin of the pressure? The pressure comes from the enemy, and it's the enemy's world right now. Jesus has broken the enemy's back on the cross, and one day he's going to come back, it says, on a white horse. He's going to crush him and throw him in death in the pit of fire, and it's going to be gone forever. But we ain't there yet. The best illustration, even still today, that the scholars like to use is from World War II. The difference between D-Day and V-Day. D-Day happened a year before Victory Day. D-Day, the decisive day in Normandy, when the back of Hitler was broken. But they tell us that in that final year before D-Day in Normandy and, and V-Day, when the war was over, there were more people who died in that year than all the other years combined. Even though Hitler was losing and lost. You and I are in that same season. But the enemy is still fighting. He's the one who's the kingdom of the air. And what did he say? He said that he works in those who are disobedient. What's the other source? Another source is sinners. People who do evil. Systems of injustice. And then he also talked about our own sinful desires. You know, a lot of the pressure comes because of our own sinful, dumb decisions. Nod your heads, church. That's a good church. <laughs> We know that's true. The most important point to grasp is that the pressure is not coming from God. Neither is he failing nor is he punishing. The pressure is coming from the enemy. Satan, who works through sinful people, who works through broken surroundings, who sometimes can even work in our still already not yet state of our lives. That's where the pressure comes from. And he's got one purpose and one purpose alone. And see, here's probably, Bill even said a little bit about the mind shift. The thing we have to so begin to own daily in our walks is that you did not get saved to experience heaven now. Heaven's on V-Day when Jesus comes back. You were saved into a mission. 
You are saved into a mission, and the mission is to seek and to save the lost before Jesus comes back. And every one of us have been given that mission. It was given to Jesus, Jesus gave it to Paul, and Paul said it was given to the church, which means you and me. You and I are to continue the ministry of Jesus in the world. And you understand that the enemy's number one goal, his number one goal with this pressure is to get you to quit. Whether you quit on the mission, that would be good enough, I think. But you know, he even wants to go further than that. He wants to get you to quit on God. Oh, I don't believe in God. I mean, God's done this. I just can't accept a God like that. And even worse sometimes is that he would try to get you to quit on life itself. And whether you quit on life in the present, through escaping, through drugs, alcohol, whatever thing is you do, or there are those who will escape, who will quit on life and take their own life. The enemy ultimately wins. Do you understand that the purpose of that pressure is to get you to quit? What did Paul say that he was concerned about? He said what he was concerned about was their faith. Let's go back to verse 2. So we send Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. And then verse 5, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. In fact, look over in verse 10. He says, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Sometimes people say, well, Mark, what about the things when Paul says that he prayed for protection or that he was rescued or delivered? You know, this is like, I'll never forget the day I was hanging out in this text and I'm like, this is like one of the craziest oxymorons that you'll ever come across in some ways to me. Second Timothy chapter 3, he says, you know all about what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Now, wait a minute. See, my idea of rescue is that I'm about to experience hardship. I'm about to experience difficulty. I'm about to experience trial. Or maybe we just stepped into it and then God says, I'll rescue you. And Paul says, you know about the hardships. You know about all this stuff. All these things I did and then God rescued me. Well, like, Lord, you were a little late. But see, for us, we would only say that because we think rescuing is about The purpose of God's power is to get us out of our discomfort and make us comfortable again. But you see, the truth is for Paul that the reason that he would say that God rescued me is because Paul is the one who recognized that the only purpose of his life, his mission, was to do the work. And he saw that rescue meant to him was that he didn't die was that he didn't die and that the enemy didn't prematurely take him out of the game. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with part two of When Under Great Pressure next week. Until then, God be with you and bless you.